Today in Security from Wired. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Security from Wired. The FBI takes a drastic step to fight China's hacking spree. The agency's approach to protecting vulnerable victims of the recent Hafnium attack manages to be at once controversial and refreshingly restrained. By Brian Barrett. On March 2nd, Microsoft warned the world that a Chinese state-sponsored hacking group called Hafnium had infected what would turn out to be tens of thousands of Microsoft Exchange servers in a weeks-long hacking blitz. While Microsoft soon released a patch, not every victim updated their systems, and hundreds of servers remained exposed, a little over a month later, the Department of Justice has now revealed the FBI took extraordinary steps to protect those still at risk. Court documents unsealed this week reveal that the FBI obtained a warrant to copy and delete so-called web shells, essentially a foothold into a system that hackers can use to send remote commands or malware from hundreds of hafnium victims. While the operation seems straightforward on a technical level, it establishes a precedent that manages to be at once both controversial and refreshingly restrained. This is a novel approach, says April Doss, a former NSA lawyer who currently directs the Institute of Technology Law and Policy at Georgetown Law. I think we'll see it used again, but I would hope to see it used again with really careful analysis. Ticking bombs. Rather than carefully select valuable targets, Hafnium scoured the Internet for vulnerable Microsoft Exchange servers and infected as many as it could, amassing at least 30,000 victims in the United States alone and hundreds of thousands worldwide. It was a mess. But it also wasn't quite as bad as those numbers make it sound. Hafnium used its access in that initial sweep to plant web shells, which would allow it to come back later to cause real damage. It essentially left itself 30,000 keys under 30,000 doormats and would figure out which of those targets it actually cared about later. A disproportionate number of Hafnium victims appear to have been small to medium-sized businesses, which are more inclined to run a dedicated on-premises exchange server for their email needs. Most large corporations run their email in the cloud, so Hafnium likely wouldn't care much about many of the entities it hit. Opportunistic ransomware hackers, though, leapt at the opening Hafnium created. By all accounts, the rush to patch exchange servers has been largely successful, thanks in part to a one-click tool Microsoft released about a month ago. But again, the victims are mostly small to medium-sized businesses, 
Many of them don't have the resources to fix a gaping cybersecurity threat. Some may not even realize they have an exposed exchange server in the first place. Meanwhile, patching protects from future infection, but it doesn't get rid of the web shell that already snuck through. And so those web shells have lurked patiently, awaiting instructions from the hackers who put them there, ready to cause harm. You can imagine if there were a circumstance in which some criminal syndicate planted physical bombs in properties spread across half a dozen states, says Doss. If the property owners couldn't be reached or were off-site and couldn't get there to take any action or didn't have the technical ability to find or defuse the explosive materials, what would DOJ do? They would get a warrant for the FBI to go in. Which is what happened last Friday when a judge granted the FBI a warrant to uninstall those web shells, which turned out not to be an essentially difficult task. The technical part of it is like 0.5% of the work, says Matt Tate, a former British intelligence analyst who is now the chief operating officer at Corellium, a virtualization and security research company. A web shell has a URL and, in this case, a password associated with it. The FBI had access to both, presumably through threat intelligence and other partners, And all the agency had to do was access the web shell, enter the password, and send a command to the server that essentially said, delete me. Problem solved. If the Microsoft Exchange servers they interacted with were fully patched and they actually deleted any and all web shells on the backdoor servers, it should be quite effective, says Stephen Adair, founder of security firm Velexity, which first identified the Hafnium attack. Assuming these Microsoft Exchange servers were just backdoor with web shells, they were essentially sitting ducks. These actions potentially save these organizations from future harm. There are two important caveats here. First, removing a web shell doesn't get rid of any malware that may already have snuck through or return any data that has been stolen. Second, if the underlying vulnerabilities remain on a system, someone could always just plant another web shell. In those limitations, Tate sees an encouraging degree of restraint on the part of the FBI. What they're doing is actually unusually narrow, he says. The FBI could have asked to scan for ransomware or illicit materials that might be present on the server, or to proactively patch servers that were still vulnerable. Then I think you would have more serious privacy concerns, like is the FBI piggybacking on this to look for other crimes? Instead... The agency got in, defused the bombs, and got back out. New rules. Five years ago, an operation like this would have been highly unlikely, if not impossible. In December 2016, however, the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure was updated to make search and seizure orders more applicable to cybercrime. Rather than having to get a warrant in every individual court district where suspected illegal activity occurred, law enforcement could instead get sign-off for broader efforts from a single judge, as long as officials could demonstrate that the activity took place in five or more districts. The big mismatch has always been between the way that legal rules are tied to physical geography and that cyber operations extend beyond it, says Doss. A target's vulnerabilities are more important to a hacker than what state they're in, especially for large-scale hacks like Hafnium's exchange server assault or SolarWinds or the creation of a botnet. In fact, the FBI has used this authority before, although seemingly sparingly. In previous cases that have become public, it focused on disrupting active botnets rather than preemptive protections. 
The FBI also typically targeted the botnet controller to send the signal out, while in the Hafnium case, the agency used the web shells on private servers to send one back home. In general, these operations involve law enforcement seizing control of a command and control server with the help of their partners and issuing commands to cut off access to the infected machines that make up the botnet, says Katie Nichols, director of intelligence at the security firm Red Canary. In this case, the FBI is gaining access to victim-owned exchange servers, copying web shells from them, and then deleting those web shells. The distinction is important because the web shell actions are more invasive. The FBI will continue to use all tools available to us as the lead domestic law enforcement and intelligence agency to hold malicious cyber actors accountable for their actions, said Tonya Ugaritz, acting assistant director of the FBI's cyber division. Anytime law enforcement tries something new, or at least puts a new spin on an old script, slippery slopes naturally become a concern. This time is no different. Future flexes will merit scrutiny. But this time, the FBI at least appears to have taken the narrowest possible scope for the greatest possible good. This is the government saying the private sector can't protect itself here, says Doss. So we're going to. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more security news at Wired.com security. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.